Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. If you're from this part of the United States, what I'm going to say will not be a surprise to you. I was out riding my mountain bike stupid early this week, and I was riding down a trail, which means I'm the first person down this trail all night long, right? And before I finished the workout, I come back from this mountain bike ride, and I am absolutely covered. For those of you who have been down some trails in this part of the United States, you already know what I'm covered in. What am I covered in? Spider webs, that's exactly right. They're all over me, and I'm talking about spider webs on my bike, spider webs on my face, spider webs on my arm, and I'm trying to pull them off. And some of these spider webs are like steel cables. And it got me thinking if these spiders could ever work together and like twist a couple of really strong webs together, I would ride into that web full speed and it would stop me dead in my tracks. And I know this statement that I'm going to put on the screens is going to sound absolutely random to you, but it's not going to be that random by the time we get to the end of this sermon today. Here's what I started to think about when I was looking at the end of John 17 today. Enough spiders, if they work together and started twisting their webs together, they could actually tie down the largest land animal on earth. They could tie down an elephant. Now, I'm no zoologist, and I'm not seeing this on Nat Geo, but I'm just saying, if they would start to work together, I'm convinced that those spiders could tie down the biggest land animal on earth. I have been around cutter ants in the jungle, and I am convinced that those cutter ants, if they wanted to, could get underneath a rhinoceros and move it off their trail. And I believe this because I've seen them move huge objects off of their trail. And listen to this. I am convinced that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, if they would all just simply get focused and start working together, there is absolutely no obstacle on planet earth that could hold back Jesus' church. How many of you are convinced of that with me? I'm convinced that when Jesus gets into the heart of his people, when he focuses their attention, when they start working together instead of fighting against one another, there is nothing on planet earth that can hold that church back. And I'm convinced of this because I believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It saves us from our sin. And the gospel saves us for him and for his glory. And when God's people start to get together and work together, we can accomplish anything on planet earth. And I get this from the passage that we're going to look at today. Today wraps up our great high priest's prayer for us. John chapter 17 is often referred to as the great high priestly prayer of Jesus. And today, Jesus prays for unity. That's basically what you're going to hear today. You're going to hear the word one, O-N-E, mentioned over and over and over again in this passage. And Jesus is going to beg the Father for you, for the person sitting next to you, for other brothers and sisters in the faith that you and I would be one, that we would have unity, 
bold, supernatural unity. That's what he's going to ask the Father for today. So I've got a couple of points that I want you to see. I hope these just come naturally right off the pages of the Bible. We're going to be in John chapter 17, and we're going to end Jesus's high priestly prayer. And the first thing that he prays for is that we share one faith, that we are all absolutely convinced of the same thing, the same salvation, and the same reason why God chose to pull us out of our sin and to clean us up and to make us right. John chapter 17 begins with Jesus' words, I'm praying. And John chapter 17 ends with the same words. This is our great high priest praying for us. John chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 20, and we'll finish the chapter today. And here's what the Bible says. Jesus praying for you and says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Now, if I were to pause for just a second, the these in this sentence is the first followers. And now when he says this, he's talking about you and I today and everybody that will ever come after us who falls on their knees and confesses that Jesus is the only way to the Father, that he is God in flesh, and he came to rescue them from their sin. Jesus is saying, I'm not just praying for Peter, James, and John. I'm praying for the brothers and sisters that are in this room right now, Father. And I'm praying this. Here's what he says next. Notice the word one here. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus wants us to share the same kind of relationship that he has with the Father. He wants us to share that kind of relationship with each other. He wants us to share that kind of relationship with the Father. And he starts the high priestly prayer with, I'm praying, Father, for you to do a supernatural work. And he ends it today with, and they're going to need my prayers. Because if you listen to the language today, it's almost like Jesus knows what's about to happen before he goes to the cross. He knows this cross is going to hurt me, but it's also going to hurt my people. And I'm going to, the shepherd will be struck and the sheep will scatter and they're going to go all over the place. And Father, I need you to bring them back together. I need you to unite them and I need you to make them one because this cross is going to be really, really hard for my people to witness. It's going to be hard for my people to see. Jesus is calling for us to have one head, one solid set of beliefs. But more than that, he really wants us today to have one heart. There is one thing that unites us that we're passionate about. And because we're so passionate about it, we now have one hand and we focus our entire lives, every ounce of energy, all of our resources towards one mission. And that mission is to glorify God the way that Jesus glorified God. In fact, Jesus is our perfect example. I just stumbled all over that. Our perfect example. God created the first human beings to have this perfect relationship with him. Adam and Eve had this intimacy with the father that you and I can't even understand. And then they messed up and sinned and broke that relationship with the father. And ever since then, humans haven't been able to 
witness this perfect relationship until God sends his son who also has a perfect relationship. And Jesus demonstrates what it's supposed to be like for God's children to live in a perfect relationship with him. What I'm saying is Jesus is the example of what uh, intimate oneness with the Father looks like. And what Jesus is praying for you, what he's praying for me, is that you and I would model this week what he modeled while he was on planet Earth. He wants his church to become like the dream team. You guys, I was working on this sermon, and it brought back this memory from the 2004 Olympics. Now, I'm going to put this video on the screens, and I want you to watch this video because in the 2004 Olympic Games, the U.S. men's basketball team, listen to this team. They consisted of players like Carmelo Anthony, an 11-time NBA All-Star, Tim Duncan, the greatest power forward in the history of basketball, Dwayne Wade, a 13-time All-Star, Allen Iverson, an 11-time All-Star, and depending on where you are with Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player in history, King James, LeBron LeBron James, on this team, all playing together in the 2004 Olympics. And they lose five games in the 2004 Olympics. They lose the semifinal round against a team that is a nobody and don't even get a chance to make it to the gold medal round. The dream team of 2004 becomes a nightmare team when they lose to Argentina and end up going away from the Olympics with the bronze medal. I have talked about this team in leadership and in team events all over the world. And what I've told people is these are the greatest single players on planet earth. Every one of them, hall of famers. How is it that they can lose to nobodies without a fraction of the talent that they have? And you in this room already know the answer to this question. The reason why they lose this game, the reason why they don't get the opportunity to play for the gold medal is because they're not working together, because they're not playing as a unit. They're playing as five of the most talented players on earth, but they're not playing together. And if it can happen to the 2004 U.S. men's basketball dream team. It can happen to the church. It can happen to you and that brother or sister that's sitting right next to you in this room. And I'm absolutely convinced this is the enemy's strategy to get his church distracted and off the mission. And when his church gets distracted and starts to work in a hundred different directions, they're not able to accomplish what Jesus left his church on planet earth to accomplish I'll shoot straight with you as this video ends and you watch the greatest players on the planet get beat by Argentina I saw this firsthand when I had the chance to lead the dream team of ministry and tried to focus a church that was going in a different a dozen different directions doing a dozen good things but not focused on the one most important thing. And I spent almost a year after leaving that church frustrated 
and needing God's help to get over the difficulties and the anger of watching a church that was giving everything they've got to a dozen different things, all good things, just not the most important thing. And it occurred to me, all the work that's being done here, all of those nonprofits, all of those human rights organizations, praise God for them. I'm glad they're doing what they're doing, but 10,000 years from now, it won't matter. If you don't give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, if you don't do good and the gospel at the same time, it won't matter. And it occurred to me that all that was happening around me was wood, hay, and stubble. And it's going to get burned up when it passes through the fire. And there really won't be any eternal significance of what's happening because we're doing good, but not the gospel. And if you give a cup of cold water, but don't do it in the name of Jesus, yeah, you just gave somebody a little bit to drink, but what they really need is the living water that wells up inside them and they will never be thirsty again. So give them a cup of cold water but give it to them in Jesus' name. Do good and the gospel at the same time. And one of the powerful tools of the enemy is to just get God's people distracted and doing different things instead of united around the one thing that he left his church on planet Earth to do. That one thing is called the Great Commission. See, this may come as a shock to you, but Jesus really didn't come to Earth to call followers. He came to earth to create a family, and he wants you to be part of that family, one family with one focus and one mission, and Jesus is going to talk about what it looks like to be part of that family. We are one in the Father because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says in these next two verses. I have given them the glory that you have given me. That statement alone deserves an entire sermon. Don't have time for that. I have given them, my church, the glory that you have given me. And here's why. Don't miss the so that statement here. So that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be completely one. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. The whole reason for this oneness, according to Jesus today, is so that when the rest of the world sees it, they say, man, there's something different about these people. That is not natural. God must be real because of what he's doing in the hearts of these people. That's really what Jesus is praying for because Jesus is adding people to a family, not just calling followers. And he's calling for unity complete unity. By the way, if you were to go back and do a little word study on that phrase, complete unity, what he's saying is pure, perfect, total unity, but it's bigger than that. The kind of unity that lasts for eternity. That's what I want, which means you have a family here on planet earth. We all do. And maybe your family is like mine and pretty jacked up, but you also have an eternal family. And the family here on planet Earth is temporary. The eternal family are your brothers and sisters in the faith. And your eternal family looks a lot different than your temporary earthly family does. 
In fact, just do me a favor real quick. Will you look around this room? Just take a look around this room at the difference in this room alone. Different sizes, heights, ages, colors of skin, ethnicities, countries. That's what you see in Jesus' church. In fact, by the time that you get to the end of the Bible, they come from all nations, all tribes, all languages, and all tongues, and they all are united behind one thing. What is it? The praise of King Jesus. Thank you. And Jesus is uniting people. Now, when you have people that are this different, like we are in this room, obviously, it's not our country of origin. Obviously, it's not our first language. Obviously, it's not our bank account that makes us all one. There must be something deeper. And what Jesus is describing today is becoming one at the soul level. And when my people are one at the soul level, when they're one in the Father because I've made them one in the Father, here's how he describes it. God, you're in me, and I'm in them, which makes them in you And they're all part of the family because of what's happened inside their soul. And it's powerful, so powerful that when the world sees it, they say, wow, there's something about this Christianity thing. In fact, I'm going to ask you to take it a little step further with me. Just humor me for a second. If you're at home and watching this online, I want you to do this at home as well as in the room. I want you to reach out and give somebody an air hug. Go ahead. Do it right now. Don't actually touch them. Look, only three or four of you. Go ahead. Give an air hug to somebody in this room. Thank you for humoring me. There's a reason behind this. A hug like this that comes deep from the soul level can change eternity. And I'll prove it to you. Our team from South Africa sent me a news article about four weeks ago. I've been dying to share this with you. I just haven't been able to find the right moment when our team from South Africa said, Jeff, you need to know what just happened down here just a couple of weeks ago. One of the most outspoken, notorious Satanist in the entire country of South Africa, the founder of the South African Satanist Church, the pastor of that church, just became a Christian. And it was bold and it was radical. You can go ahead and clap for that one. It was bold. It was radical. And it was all because of a hug. He was getting ready to do a news interview, and before the news interview started, some lady came up to him in the hallway and grabbed him and hugged him. And what he said in this article was, it's not a normal hug. When that woman hugged me in the hallway, there was something to that hug. It was different than any time I've ever been grabbed and hugged by somebody before. Her hug told me that she loved me. And she is very, very different from me. And her hug threw me off balance. I went home and couldn't get that hug out of my mind. And I started thinking about that hug. And then he says, and I would tell you his name, but I can't pronounce it because it's a really long name and it's not in English. But he said, I started thinking about that name. And that's when Jesus appeared to me. And he said, I love you. And I proved to you that I loved you because I sent one of my people to show it to you. 
And that man stood up and very publicly in South Africa renounced the power of Satan in his life, renounced the church that he founded and all of the Satanism that he has been pastor, those that he's been pastoring, and said, I am now unashamedly a Christian because of Jesus is changing my life. And it was just a simple hug. But there was something deeper in that hug. Because this was more than just a physical touch. That woman shared her soul with him in the hallway of a studio on the way to do an interview. And it touched him so deeply that he couldn't get over it. And what Jesus is saying in his high priestly prayer is, God, I want them to love so powerfully. I want them to love so profoundly that the world is going to watch this and they're going to say, Something is legitimate about this because you can't make that up. That's not an act. It's not for show. There must be something about this Christianity thing because nobody does what that woman just did like she just did it unless there's something sincere about this woman's soul. And Jesus is saying, man, when people see that, they want that. That's just part of the DNA of the human nature. All of us want to belong to a family like that. When we use the name two cities around here, I don't want you to mistake what we're saying. The word two cities really refers to the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment. Jesus says we're supposed to love God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. But he says the second greatest commandment is just like it. I want you to love your neighbor like you love yourself. I want you to love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. And I don't need to remind you, love is an action verb. It's not just simply saying words. It's putting into practice what those words really mean. And what Jesus is saying today is when my family starts to love like that, people sit up and take notice. And when our church here in the Chattahoochee Valley and all over the world, when we love with that radical kind of love, it's undeniable. You can't argue that away. He really created one faith. He created one family through one faith. And here's the good news, y'all. That family never ends. That oneness goes on for eternity. Here's how Jesus wraps up the statement today. He's going to tell us about this eternal relationship. You are one with the Father through the blood of the Son. And we're even going to put that into practice in just a few minutes when we take communion as a church. Listen to how John chapter 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer over you ends, starting in verse 24. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am. Jesus is going to make a bold request to the Father, and here's what it is. God, I'm going back to heaven. I'm going to be with you, and I want you to bring them to be with me and you in heaven. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory which you've given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love that you have loved me with 
may be in them and I may be in them. If we had more time in the book of John, and we've been here for many months, I would do an entire sermon on the last statement on the screens. The love that you have loved me with, God, I want that love to be in them. And I want them to love each other like that. I want them to love their community like that. That's the kind of unity that I want my people to have. That kind of Unity builds biblical community, and there is no stopping that kind of unity. And Jesus is reminding us that he came to earth with one singular focus, one thing that was on his mind. He came to earth to live for God's glory, and that was it. And whatever brings the Father glory, that's what the Son does. And if it doesn't bring the Father glory, then the Son doesn't do it. Now... He also came to be our example, which means tomorrow when you get up, you have a choice to make, just like I have a choice to make. You can live for your glory and for what does best for you, or you can live for the Father's glory. And by living for the Father's glory, people see unity in the church. They see the power of the church. They see your relationship with the Father put on display in front of them. And I am convinced when God's people are all focused and united and living for his glory, the world stands up and takes notice. And what Jesus is saying is, Father, this is what I want more than anything else. Before I leave earth and go back to heaven, I want them to see me in my glory. And I want them to see it forever, meaning that when he splits the, so the sky and comes back and when he recreates heaven and earth, when he rules over this world that he made, you and I will be right there with him. And all of that sin, listen to me, all of that shame, all of those mistakes that you've made, everything that you've done that has hurt your relationship with the Father, it's all gone. It's all gone forever, put away as far as the east is from the west, and there is now nothing separating you from the Father. You can stand in his presence without shame, with nothing to fear. And you can stand in his presence like that, and you can enjoy his presence like that forever. After today, we're going to take a break from the book of John. And we're going to do a very short sermon series called AMA or Ask Me Anything. You're going to hear more from Kevin about that in just a second. You guys have already been sending in some pretty awesome questions. If you have some questions that you want asked, you can put them in the mobile app today and send those in. We'll spend a couple of weeks answering your questions. But here's the truth. Your questions are awesome, but they're all over the map. And I need something to kind of wrangle these questions together. So we're going to focus on human relationships. Because when I start to look at your questions, most of them are like, okay, this relationship with the father thing, I'm starting to figure it out. But my relationship with my brother or sister, man, this is a mess right now. And I need some advice on how to do life with a brother or sister in the faith. And to be honest, your questions are so good, I'm calling in the dream team. That's Pastor Troy Singleton and Pastor Chris Poirier that our church sent out to plant River Valley Church. We're going to come together and we're going to tackle these questions together. And hopefully by the time we're done, we'll give you just a little bit of practical advice on how to do relationships with other brothers and sisters in the faith. Because when you get two imperfect people together,
and they start to get close, sparks are going to fly. Happens every time. So now what I want to do is put a challenge in front of you. I want to pray for you. And then after this, we're going to transition to the most important thing that we do today. We're going to transition to going to the Father's table and having a meal with him in his presence. We call it communion around here. See the word union in communion? Our union with the Father? But before we do that, maybe somebody's here in this broadcast. Maybe somebody's sitting here and you're saying, man... Things are not right between me and Jesus right now. There's some things that are really, really wrong. And I keep trying. And I keep messing up. And the more that I try, the more that I mess up. And honestly, I can't fix this. And I can't change things. I need God's help. Really, what you need is to become part of God's family for the first time today. What you need is for God to change your heart and to give you a new heart. Ezekiel 36 says it this way, I will take that heart of stone out of you, and God says, I will put a heart of flesh inside of you. And then this is what it says next, a heart that wants to obey my commandments. My spirit will dwell inside of you, and my spirit will make you want to follow me. And now all you have to do is just simply follow your heart and follow your spirit, because your heart has changed. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.